Hello everyone and welcome to season 3 of the Global Career Schools podcast from the University of London Career Service. In this season, listening to stimulating careers conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. Join us as we speak to those alumni that embarked on a variety of careers journey. In this episode, we are really excited to introduce you to Sarah Copland, originally from New Zealand and now based in Lyon, France. Sarah studied an LLM in Public International Law with the University of London, thanks to which her career pivoted from private practice as a solicitor and barrister to high education lecturing. She will talk about her motivation, the skills set needed, work-life balance and the emotional challenges and reward of the job roles she has taken during her professional journey. We hope you enjoyed the episode! Sarah, it's a real pleasure to meet you and have the opportunity to meet you in person. Absolutely. It's great to have you here in London. Where where are you normally based? Well, this week I'm in London for the graduation, which is a great celebration. But at the moment I'm based in Lyon in France, so just across the channel um, in France there, but I'm originally from New Zealand. Great. Thank you. Congratulations on your graduation. Thank you. So... At the University of London, some of our students are career starters, some of them are career developers, and some of them are career changers. So we'd love to know when you were studying your postgraduate laws degree with us, which of those would you identify with, or maybe you identify with a couple of them when you were studying? Yes, probably with a little bit of both as a career developer and the career changer. In terms of before I started studying, I was a private practice lawyer in dispute resolution for private practice firms. And I really enjoyed that for a number of years, but for a number of reasons, I wanted a change. And so the study was partly to be a career changer, to move still in law, but into a wider kind of area of law, into legal academia, law lecturing, as well as looking more into the international law side of things. And then I guess as well, the development of the career. I was doing a lot of private practice law, individual dispute resolution, and I wanted to kind of broaden that out to look at different areas of law I hadn't looked at before, particularly public international law, which is what I did in the Masters. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. That's great. And, and really interesting to kind of hear how your kind of perhaps mindset changed around which area you wanted to be working in as well. So could you perhaps give us a bit of an insight into your journey from when you were studying with us to, to what you're doing now? Yes, absolutely. So when I started off the, before the master's study, I had been in private law. And then as I started off the master's study, I was doing it part-time, which is what the program allows, which is fantastic, (laughs) the flexibility to study part-time. And then I started at law lecturing part-time as well and started off the development of that, doing that in France, which obviously they learn dual systems in France. They learn French law, but often they also learn common law and English law. So I teach that side of it in English, <laughs> which is nice. And I, I started doing that midway through the master's program and definitely having being in the program, I think showing a commitment to doing further education really helped to get into that area and into those roles. And then I studied public international law in the program. And since finishing the program, I've also been teaching some master's 
program courses at the university I work in international law. So the program was invaluable for that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It sounds like you've yeah, really been able to kind of channel those studies not only to get into the kind of more academic side, but then in terms of what you're teaching as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you've talked a little bit about how you've worked in private practice before and now you're making a bit more of a transition into the lecturing side of things. Maybe could you tell us a little bit about what first motivated you to get into NOR and then perhaps a little bit about about that change as well? Yes, absolutely. To start to get into NOR, I think the overarching aim, similar to many people, was to kind of help make the world a better place and to help people move through their difficult moments in life. Um, and working in private practice law definitely allowed for that. I think I, I did it for a number of years and I enjoyed it, but it also has some challenges with it. It's working for private law firms is often very demanding on the work side of the life, work-life balance. And also I got to a point where it was emotionally quite heavy to work with clients who really needed legal advice, but couldn't necessarily afford it. And so I got to a point where I wanted a, a change to look into an area of law which was less commercialized and also has a longer lasting, hopefully a longer lasting public and social benefit than just resolving day-to-day disputes for people, which whilst that is important, yeah. uh, hopefully I can leave a bit of a longer mark in the area I'm going into. Mm. Yeah, I think that's you. And yeah, just really interesting that I guess your your overall motivation has stayed similar in that it's about helping people but in a kind of in a broader way through the lecturing and the teaching yeah great and why did you choose to specialize in public international law for your LNM oh there was a range of reasons in that there's obviously lots lots of specializations you can pick in the program which is really good but I chose the public international law one of the reasons was to have more of a broader master's degree in in the public international law rather than in a very specialized area of it obviously another for me was just it's a very interesting area to actually study in the world is constantly changing and so is international law Mm -hmm. I also think it's just a very important area of law it moves very slowly (laughs) over the decades I would say but is proved in the last 50 years to be invaluable to improving the quality of people's lives around the world, improving development, trying to balance out the social inequalities and political inequalities left from the war and colonialism and all of those things and build up on layers and layers of human rights. And so just for me, that was, I really wanted to develop my understanding in that and how that all works. Or how, yeah, it's just an area that is slow moving, but such an important area and kind of addressing some of the wrongs I suppose of the past as well as looking forward so yeah hugely uh, I think important for facing some of the issues we're currently facing we have to have a globalized approach we could like things like climate change and that we can't just individually as countries try and give it a go because we don't have the resources there has to be a banding together I guess of law and legal thinking and that's why I think it's particularly important you know And could you tell us in a bit more detail perhaps about your current role? So predominantly in my work space, I lecture law uh, in in France. I do that in an undergraduate common law degree program. So I lecture lots of the normal topics like tort law and contracts and equity. 
uh, try and make those interesting. For the French students, often some of those topics are not, they don't come up in civil law as much. So that's interesting for them. I also lecture in a master's program in European international law and human rights. And I've, uh, I really enjoy that, dealing with older students who have a bit more critical thinking um, and are a bit uh, more willing to give things a go and, and have a discussion. So that I really enjoy. Uh, and I also work part-time in private practice in the UK doing some consulting work for law firms, which is, helps pay the bills as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. And um, I guess with the lecturing side, it sounds really interesting, the courses that you teach. Could you tell us a little bit about kind of some of the day-to-day activities that you might have to do to prepare for that as well? Yes, well, I think one thing, one skill that I learned in the master's program here at the University of London was being able to work very autonomously. There's no one to hold your hand in the master's program <laughs> or give you guidance. And I had some experience of that, but really the, the program helps with that. You have to guide your own learning. You have to keep yourself on track. You have to, there's no one to remind you of anything. And I think that was a very helpful skill for me to really master during the program. And for my everyday job, that's <laughs> helped. I autonomously kind of prepare the program and research and write the syllabus and the materials and the slides for the students. And then actually most of the work happens behind the scene like that. And then turn up on the day and give them lectures, which most of them don't fall asleep in <laughs> if, if we're doing things right. And I enjoy that side of it as well, the interaction. It's a little bit law light. There's not a Nobody's going to die or lose a huge amount of money if you say one sentence wrong. Um, so that side of it I enjoy. They're kind of there to learn and there's a lot more room to enhance their knowledge in a less stressful way. Yeah. <laughs> and then a lot of marking, a lot of marking of exams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. Okay. So, um, so I wonder if you've had any kind of light bulb moments during your career, perhaps that might have changed your thinking about your career or the direction that you might want to go in. Yes, I think maybe the light bulb started turning on a little bit dim and then got brighter and brighter over the space of a year, possibly, I'd say. I'd worked in, in private practice law for a good number of years and done the usual track of what was expected or required of me in terms of, I guess, climbing the corporate ladder in a law firm and progressing through that. And whilst I enjoyed that, I think I got to the light bulb moment point when I realised I could actually change my career over a period of months to a year or so to, to better suit my lifestyle and my values in life and also the things I was really interested in, the areas of law I was really interested in. I didn't just have to keep doing the same thing I'd always done. Obviously that required some time and financial commitment to study and a little bit of a, a brave leap to do something <laughs> different. But I think the light bulb moment really did come on when I thought, oh, Work, keeping working in private practice law will be good for the bank and good for the career over a lifetime. But I also wanted to do things as well that were made me feel fulfilled and intellectually stimulated. And I have a bit of the best of both worlds at the moment. I can do a bit of private practice work, but also working in academia and looking at the international law side of that as well has really been quite fulfilling for me. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like having that, taking that time to step back and really reflect on what's important, which 
you said it can be difficult when you're on that treadmill of <laughs> your work's busy, life's busy, and um, but at some point, yeah. kind of reflecting on whether you are still going in the direction and whether the things that were important to you before are still important to you. After a few years, I think, working, you realise that some people obviously just love what they do and they keep doing that all their lives, which is fantastic, and then others' life circumstances change or their family circumstances change and realising that you can change the work life to try and suit that as well to have a manageable and enjoyable life yeah yeah it's great great and I suppose as you said it's also quite a brave thing to do sometimes because you're you're (laughs) on track for you you're succeeding really and then the career that you know you're perhaps pivoting away from slightly how did you know it was the right time for you to do that oh the timing that's a good question that's a difficult question I think for me, it partially came when we moved from New Zealand over to France for my husband's work. And uh, so for me, at that point, it gave me a trigger to step back and think, I can choose to change if I want to at this point, or I can go straight back into what I was doing just in a different country. So that helped, that that pause helped me realise to think about really what was going to be important looking in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah, the timing, there's never a perfect moment Mm. to change a job or change a slight area in the career. And you do have to just take a bit of a leap of faith sometimes. I'm quite a cautious person, so that wasn't naturally the easiest decision for me. But um, starting the master's and investing in further study definitely helped me to feel more confident that I could go in a new or a wider direction. Great. And it's great that your studies gave you that confidence. And I think probably a lot of our listeners who might also be contemplating a career change, that would be really helpful to hear that that's a process that everybody's having to now again <laughs> nobody feels confident doing that you just have to take a leap of faith jump at it and and put all the work into doing it and hope it works out <laughs> yeah no, that's great advice so and and you mentioned that you still do some private consulting work as well are you able to tell us a little bit more about that Yes, that side of it is still in the dispute resolution area just kind of behind the scenes legal work and, and that kind of thing it's a uh, is a nice thing to do part-time as well, kind of keep keep my fingers in the legal world, in the private practice legal world, but also not to carry so much of the day-to-day stress and demands of that world. So I feel quite lucky to be able to do both. But, yeah, and sometimes that's, that's just working out what is making you happy and prioritising that. So, yeah. Okay, so what skills or experiences do you think you developed through your University of London degree that have helped you succeed in your career so far you talked a bit about that kind of autonomy I just wondered if there was anything else that you felt had really kind of contributed to where you are now yes the autonomy was a big thing that the program was entirely self-driven so that's really flexed those muscles just being able to work for several years without detailed guidance from someone on a a subject was a good skill to learn I think probably the second biggest skill I learned from the program was to have a much greater ability to think critically about the law and the world and that was a huge part of the program of all of the exam questions (laughs) and it really helped me to open my eyes to the world and think a lot more critically about just general things that happen and and about the law we you know every decision has consequences some good and some bad and to stop and balance those all up and really the program helped with that and then I think 
also just it gave me confidence in my legal knowledge not just having the certificate but having that depth of learning that a master's program gives you that for me the undergraduate law degree didn't give to that extent gave me a a deeper confidence in my in my knowledge of the law and learning brilliant I'm glad it was such so valuable in terms of yeah that confidence and also some of those kind of key transferable skills those key employability skills as well and no, sometimes careers don't always run smoothly. <laughs> so I just wondered if you'd faced any setbacks in your career so far, and if so, how you managed them at the time. For me, probably personal life circumstances changing. Some health difficulties meant that I my ability to do everything wasn't quite as the normal persons would be. Um, and so just realising that I can still have a professional, fulfilling career, I just need to make some changes um, and do that in a really healthy, balanced way. Um, and that is not always the easiest when you're head down in the middle of a very corporate legal world, but to just take the moments to really, I guess, constantly reassess, is this job doing what I need it to f- for me in terms of financially, but also in the life context? Am I healthy doing it? Is my family happy and healthy that I'm doing it? Mm. All of those things. And that's really important because I think a lot of people I see just keep their head down for years and years and they're not really that happy. They're not really that healthy. And you can make a change if you want to. It requires time and effort and thinking and financial sacrifice. But yeah, it's definitely trying to schedule careers in a way more that promote healthy life and enjoyable life much (laughs) a champion of that especially for people who have disabilities or health uh, concerns that make that more real to them that they have to think about yeah and so for me that was it (laughs) being able to realize a talent in in different ways through making some of those changes and and as you said Mm. often other factors can impact our career circumstances from family life and yeah and and health and so on so you don't all come with the same set of health physical or mental health or background we everybody has different types of challenges and just really I guess being realistic about those and looking at how we can make a career work best in those frameworks is really important yes and yeah thank you and you've mentioned you know as a corporate lawyer very busy and demanding role and I imagine academia can be quite demanding at the time <laughs> particularly particularly at marking <laughs> and things like that I just wondered if you could share in what ways you manage your kind of your well-being and, and your work-life balance um, in those scenarios. Absolutely. I, I am very much a strong believer of work-life balance, making sure both of those are in balance so that people have healthy and fulfilled lives. And that doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about it. You have to really fight for that constantly, I think, over a career. More and more, I think, in the last three or four years with people being able to work from home and have flexible working hours I think it's easier but you still do have to if you want if that's important you really have to I guess focus on that and practically for me that looks like being quite strict around working hours and from a legal perspective not spending my weekends and my evenings ruminating over the difficult legal challenges on the people's really awful problems um, putting those aside because solving them in my private time and my mind isn't 
always going to be what's healthy for me and best for the clients in the long run. I think also in the law world, oftentimes in the day-to-day, you see difficult situations frequently. The world doesn't always look good. People are in disputes. You see the ugly side of life often and it's in your face all the time. And so actually taking time away to do things that's are fulfilling and bring you happiness and bring you health is really important otherwise the world can look really dark (laughs) and the world is really dark there are lots of awful things that we need to fix but there's nobody's going to be here to help there's no lawyers and legal academics that are going to be here to help fix it if they're all too depressed to want to try or stressed out so i think taking time away from from the you know the darker side of the law and, and and people's problems just to bring healthy routines and healthy eating and exercise and travel and family time is really really important yeah yeah it sounds like setting those kind of personal boundaries as you said trying not to take that with you Mm -hmm. into evenings and weekends which I can imagine can be quite (laughs) having those different outlets to help you manage that and as you said make make you happy yeah you don't always uh you don't always get it right but and it definitely gets easier over as you grow in your career, I think it's much more difficult for junior lawyers, but still really important. Um, we see a lot of like junior lawyers falling out of the profession after a few years because they're stressed and burnt out. And I think that's not necessary. They've done so many years of study and they need a bit more nurturing. And, and then for them, and a bit more confidence just to say, I'm at capacity or this is how much I can do. I need help. Um I'm not going to be here till midnight every night doing this if there is another option uh, for kind of the long-term things. Obviously, small-term things, small things always crop up, but for trying to make a long-term balanced life, I think it's really important. Yeah. Thank you. It's so helpful to you. And I think for some of our career starters, mm. particularly kind of being aware and noticing when they are overwhelmed and, as you said, not being afraid to ask for yeah, help because at the end of the day, it's better to get the help and carry on. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, you raise your voice and try and protect your health and, and proper work-life balance, the easier it gets. So we get lots of questions from our current students, whether they're career starters, career developers or career changers, about building a career in academia and quite a lot of students in, interested in international law as well. Based on your experience, I wondered if there was any advice you could share that you would give to current students that are looking to start or develop or perhaps change career into perhaps we start with academia and then thinking Mm -hmm. about the international love side as well. Absolutely. It's probably a handful of things. The first, maybe the university will like me saying this, but legal education, (laughs) particularly in the law world and in, 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 in every aspect of it. The education does really matter. There are other sectors where your professional experience will count for a lot more, but law isn't one of those. You do need the the degrees and the masters and the some areas, the doctorates to, I guess, be taken seriously. And so that being the first one is developing the legal education that's actually needed for the area you need to go into if you want to work in international law, the big international law organizations will always generally require a master's degree in the subject and so doing that if that's what you want to do is really important that was partly why I did public international law as my specialization so education developing that being the first 
advice I would give. The second would be keeping up with current affairs, both in terms of my role in academia and uh, kind of looking at an international law work side of things. You need to know what's going on in the world in a general sense, the direction things are going, but also in your specific area. So knowing what's happening on certain treaties and areas like international environmental law or climate change or refugee law, there's things that are happening constantly. So keeping up with those current affairs and knowledge about those. And the third thing would be a lot of applications. (laughs) If you're wanting to change roles, there are a lot of people who want jobs. And so you have to make a lot of applications. It's, it's, you know, particularly in in some more competitive areas in in work, in, um, say, in international law, there's hundreds of people who are applying for the same job. So you can't, you shouldn't be disheartened if you do a few and nothing works out. I would say the tens to up to 100 applications might get you one good job that you really, really want if you've got all the other, if you check all the other boxes. So keeping applying and not being disheartened about that <laughs> would be one. And maybe the last practical advice would be to try and keep legal writing, uh, writing journal articles or uh, things like that to get your name out there and to keep learning about topics and sharing them with others where where you can. Mm. I know that's brilliant advice. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. And just picking up on what you were saying about kind of keeping up to date with current affairs and the area that you, you perhaps want to to work in and specialize in. Have you got any advice about how people might approach that? Oh yes. Uh, we use the news often, <laughs> every day for a little bit, if you can. It's better than spending time on social media. It'll be more profitable <laughs> in the long run. Um, and I guess from a law perspective, legal developments, there are always reels that you can get your hands on, uh, whether through paid databases that the university subscribe to or just on the internet. Mm-hmm. In international law, there's constant updates from the big organisations who make things happen <laughs> as to what's changing and moving and great and I think students and, and graduates will find it really reassuring that you know if they are getting rejected from applications that that's that's a normal thing and yeah, definitely persevered as you said they get yeah that's hard and with it no tailor those applications <laughs> um yeah they do that's hard because that's a normal part of the process so and most of them you never hear back from at all. You're not going to get a no. You're just going to never hear anything. And they take time to do and you just have to do them and keep going. And hopefully someone will see yeah. your application and like what they see it for the right timing. Mm. And, and just being kind to yourself through that process, yeah. I suppose. Very true. And then I love that last piece of advice around kind of getting the legal writing experience as well. Have you got any advice or can you share some of your experiences of how you kind of built that up and opportunities you've been able to engage with that others might find helpful as well? Well, that is a good question. That's probably something I still is on my goals to improve for myself. That's on the list to try and write more pieces of legal writing and apply to journals to have them published. And from a legal and in the law kind of world, you can, it's a bit different depending on the jurisdiction, but you can apply, you can send your work in to the different law journals of the country or of the international body and they might publish them. Mm-hmm. And and that takes a lot of time and work and a lot of failures you don't always get. Them, but 
you learned something along the way and it's not time wasted. And then I think I mean, I'm not the best example of that of more published work, but uh, I think that's also important. And more and more I see on job applications, people asking for hyperlinks to publish journal legal articles that you've written. So clearly it's important to employees as well. I mean, and would you say, obviously the, the kind of the legal journals and, and things like that, are, sounds like it's important and employers are asking a little of that. Are there other avenues that are valuable? Sorry, I'm not phrasing this question very well, Sarah. It's just like, guess what I'm curious about is... Like if people were to write on LinkedIn or engage with LinkedIn groups or publish mm. on social media. So I'm going to ask a question around that. If you're happy to answer something around that, like just putting a toe in the water in terms of getting some of that. Is, you, is that yeah, you help with? Great. Um, and so alongside getting kind of published articles or submitting articles for publication, I wonder whether there are other avenues that people could use to perhaps raise their profile in different ways whether that's through social media or linkedin sharing their expertise through those platforms would you say that is another helpful thing to do as, you, as you're building your career definitely yes i think in terms of in the legal world if people are in private practice law firms writing legal articles can be something you can do under the firm's website or another firm's name and uh, that's not always prioritized because it's not necessarily it doesn't earn the most amount of money and you might have to put a little bit more of that into your time elsewhere but they are important if you can um, even get some articles on topical things published on the firm's website generally they're very happy for lawyers or younger lawyers to do that um, because they are they do bring in work for the firm as well and increase knowledge and I have found that that has helped kind of in terms of networking and growing a profile that can really help and then obviously they get shared on LinkedIn and platforms like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, and what skills or experience would you advise someone starting out in the field to develop to be successful in the future? The first, getting the right legal education. <laughs> so getting the right degree or a master's or doctorate, whatever it may be in the area you want to work in. Having a, growing your kind of knowledge of historical understanding it's not something that we're really taught at law school or when you enter a profession but the world is the way it is today because of the last 100 or 200 years and actually knowing what's gone on in history gives you a better perspective for helping to address challenges and see where people come from and make sure that people are included from more diverse groups and that kind of thing legal research and writing skills you can't get anywhere in law without having or you can go much further if you have good legal research and writing skills mm. uh, and definitely developing those for for younger lawyers is vital yeah yeah great and you mentioned networking um in your earlier answer i just wondered if you could share any advice around growing your network particularly perhaps as a career starter or somebody changing into this area hmm. This is not an area I naturally find the easiest to do. <laughs> you have to grow some confidence and I think just put yourself out there and sometimes it looks like it's working out and other times you really don't know. But I think in the legal world, oftentimes who you know makes a difference. Oftentimes people that you've met or that you know in a professional capacity will come and tap you on the shoulder or point you in the direction of a new opportunity when it comes up. Um, it's definitely 
it'll it'll depend on the country and the jurisdiction where students are, but definitely in, in common law and Anglo-Saxon countries, the UK, any of the kind of former colony countries, knowing people in the industry helps. Um, so going going to some of those events, meeting people, growing a LinkedIn profile, I guess. I don't think that's everything. I don't think just having <laughs> a thousand people on LinkedIn is going to do it. <laughs> I think having better, more meaningful professional relationships with certain people is good. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I think, yeah, quite a lot of listeners will empathize with, you know, feeling quite nervous sometimes about networking and, and that being outside of your comfort zone, going to events and perhaps meeting new people. So it's really helpful mm-hmm. to hear that it's sort of something that is, that the payoff is, is definitely worth that. Yeah. Initial discomfort, maybe. Yeah, it's not always the easiest. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, I think I learned that very early on. I, when I was a undergraduate law student, there was an event and I thought I should go to that because that will help network with the job area that I wanted to be in. And I was literally driving on my way there and I thought, I don't want to do this. And I went and <laughs> ended up getting a job at that firm a few weeks later. So that for me, it paid off in a very tangible way. Yeah. But also, yeah, this is so taking those opportunities, meeting people, going to those events. You don't need to do them all the time. I think some people just overdo it. Have a life like <laughs> developing a profile and a network isn't everything. Mm-hmm. But picking the events you choose carefully and trying to, when you're there, um, pluck all your confidence up and speak to people that you might not ordinarily feel greatly confident speaking to. Um, you do just have to back yourself a little bit, even if you don't feel confident. Yeah, <laughs> take it till you make it. <laughs> and you also said that sometimes the payoff, you know, you don't initially see an immediate payoff, but mm-hmm. I suppose it's about nurturing those relationships, having a thousand connections on LinkedIn, but maybe curating some of those relationships with with people yeah. and, and and staying in contact and being active with it <laughs> yeah being yeah absolutely I think sometimes my example before was a very short immediate payoff but I had actually been in a professional context crossing over with people from the firm I worked first for for a few years before that um and I guess one thing I probably forgot to mention before that I think is most important in developing kind of the network and things is just doing very good work in your day-to-day and people speak highly of that making sure that getting the work done in in a trying to do it in an excellent manner people refer you on if you've done good work for them and they're confident in recommending your name and I think that matters a whole lot more or at least a, a good chunk just as much as having lots of people on LinkedIn or writing lots of articles or things like that because um people yeah, you have to go out on a on a line to recommend someone, and people recommend people who really put the effort in, and and yeah. So making sure doing that as well has proved useful. Great, yeah, really getting your work to kind of speak for itself, I suppose, in terms of then people yeah. recognizing what a good job you're doing, and and perhaps recommending you for another thing. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes it's the people who come back five or ten years later, and you think, oh gosh, you're still remembered. It doesn't always pay off straight away. Uh, but over the long term, it pays off. Great. Um, I just wondered if you could share any of your preferred sources or strategies for finding relevant vacancies or internships or jobs within the sector. Oh, um, and so every kind of area in the legal world is a bit different. In private practice law, you can rely quite heavily on on the LinkedIn's and uh, Indeed and and those big platforms like that. And definitely having notifications that pop up for you of 
jobs that come up yeah i think it's really good if you're searching um in terms of speci other specific areas oftentimes you need to dig a bit deeper in terms of the international law side of the world every all of the big organizations they have their own careers platform and the jobs have to be done on their websites using their specific format um so like the un careers page or you've got the world health organization or OECD, Interpol, they all have their own careers platform. And so you do have to go and check those on a regular basis and then apply for the individual jobs if that's the area you work in. So, yeah, you can't always just, it's definitely not waiting just for recruiters to come and find you. Maybe for some select people in the world that works. <laughs> but for the majority of, of most of us, it's, it's the search. And so using the kind of broader meta search platforms like Indeed are really good in LinkedIn but also the ones in your specific area, wherever that may be. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today, Sarah. No, it was lovely to chat to you and hopefully we can inspire some students to um, have some confidence in changes that they might be making in their career. Absolutely. Thank you very much for sharing. This was the third season of the Global Career Schools podcast brought to you by the University of London Career Service, this time devoted to the law sector. You can find our episodes on your favorite streaming platform, including ACAS, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts, and many more. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was presented by Gemma Garrett and edited and introduced by Bush Rajan. We'll publish more episodes in the following weeks with some inspiring stories from our global graduate cohort. So please subscribe. Thank you for listening and join us next time for a new global careers call.